Well, I have to say this is one of those uh, weeks that uh, makes you uh, test your convictions that God is in control of everything. Um, we started out uh, with a little three-day vacation on uh, Sunday, uh, driving up to Big Bear, and uh, we have this. We have a Honda Odyssey 2005, and they have these technology is so great. They have these tires that they have it when they go flat, they run on. And uh, we got a chance to experience that going up the mountain. The only only issue is that you can only get these tires repaired at a Honda dealer because uh, they're so and Michelin and Honda and. And the technology is so good that Michelin and Honda decided to scrap it in 2008. They no longer make it available because it was so difficult because people get flats in the middle of nowhere and how do you get it fixed? So we experienced that. And uh, Lord, why are we, you know, Sunday going up there. And so call on Monday morning to uh, the uh, Michelin hotline and they say, oh, we'll have a tow truck there at 10 o'clock. I have to tow it down the mountain to Victorville because it's the only Honda dealer that has a machine that will actually do it. So well, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you know, they keep calling. Have they arrived? No, they haven't. Somewhere around 2, 2.10, the guy finally pulls up and originally I was going to have, Rebecca was going to go down with, and I was going to stay with the kids. And the guy got there and I just, uh, you know, I think I'll go down. Uh, with them, and so I quickly changed my mind and got in the truck after hooking up and went down. Going about halfway down to Victorville, I realized my wallet is sitting on the table <laughs> right by the door, and I do not have a dollar or a penny or anything in my pockets <laughs> except my phone. <laughs> and I said, Oh, Lord. Okay, so I text Rebecca and say, Just call ahead, give them the credit card number. So she does that and um, they text me back and says everything's fine they got the credit card and everything will be fine and take an hour be back up so we get there and sitting in in uh, Valley High Honda and uh, about five minutes to five the guy comes out and goes you're not going to believe this but <laughs> there's another part that broke besides the tire and we don't have that in stock so we're going to have to give you a rental car for the night and I said Okay, but you do realize I don't have my wallet, so I don't have a driver's license, and I do not have a credit card. Oh, no. <laughs> so he calls Enterprise. Nope. I got a picture of it on my phone. Nope. They don't have it in their hand. Can't do it. So it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do here? Um, I don't even have, I don't literally have a penny in my pocket. And I was like, Lord, who's in, who's in control here? <laughs> I'm stuck in Victorville. Um, I'm sitting, like, do you have a shower here? Because I'll just like sleep on the couch here. And it's like, no, no, yeah. It's like, and uh, so we're calling around, trying to scramble around. And thankfully, the Lord uh, uh, led Rebecca to call the Imans. And the Imans' aunt Bev lives in Big Bear. And Aunt Bev loaned Rebecca a car, and she drove down the mountain, picked me up, and we got to go up and down the mountain about four times. Started our vacation yesterday about four o'clock. <laughs> and came home, came home today. Uh, quickly adjusted my notes for tonight because uh, you know, and then you know what? She took the kids to Taekwondo. I'm going to go to the church early. Just settle, get my heart rate down. You know, go upstairs, go to the library, 
sit down, open my backpack, and realize my notes are on my desk at home. <laughs> and it's 6.30, and so I'm saying, how, how fast can I get home <laughs> legally and get back here? But the Lord has, has done that and has given me an appreciation that the world to come is going to be a lot better than the world we are currently experiencing. And so we'll take a look a glimpse into heaven. And so our second part, our first part of a glimpse into heaven, we talked about who was going to be there. Um, and we took from Isaiah and the Apostle John their vision into the intermediate heaven, that aspect of heaven that exists right now. And we kind of worked from the back of the temple to the center stage and focused on Jesus Christ who was receiving worship the center of the stage amongst all of those creatures who were there, including the redeemed who were there. Tonight, we're going to go from who's there to what does heaven look like and what are the sounds that might be there. And remember, the verse we had last week, John 14, 1 through 3, was that Jesus promised that he was going to go and prepare a place for us. And uh, if it weren't so, he would have told us. So he's going to prepare a place, and tonight we're going to have a little look at that place. And um, if you remember also last week I said there's going to be some things that we talk about over this four week. We're going to go from things that are really kind of concrete. Last week was really concrete. We had the word that just told us who all is going to be there in the sense of, of groups of people. And as we kind of go through the four weeks, it gets a little bit more from real concrete to a little bit concrete and a little bit of hints. And then the last, as we end up, is going to be, we're going to have to build on what we do know to see what a, what's there. But tonight, mostly concrete. Um, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 say this. So let's read it. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen, nor hear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. And a lot of times people stop right there. And it's like, well, we don't know what it's going to be like. And all they need is go one more verse and read verse 10. It says, But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, and yes, the deep things of God. God has given us, through His Word, some glimpses into heaven and what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like for us, and that's what we're going to spend some time on tonight. And we're going to let the Word talk mostly tonight on what heaven is going to look like. And so we're going to start in Revelation 21. Go to the very back and flip over a page. And you'll probably be there. And we're, going to, we're just going to read through Revelation 21 and 22 together a little bit and then talk a little bit about it and see what it says. And so Revelation 21 now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. 
Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and the brimstone, which is the second death. And now we go on to a discussion of New Jerusalem. Then one of the seven angels who had seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to the great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven of God, from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its wall. The city was laid out as a square, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs, its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth, sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at, shall not be, its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. 
They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no more night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These things are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So we have a look a little bit into the the New Jerusalem, that city that is coming, um, is made right now. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. He's preparing that place. If he hasn't, finished it already. He spent six days creating the earth. He's had two millennium to create the new Jerusalem, if you will, to create that place for us. That word new, first of all, the new Jerusalem, um, there's two words in Greek that get translated new. One is neo, and it talks about new in terms of time, like a new day. Today's a new day. You know, the day hasn't changed from yesterday in the sense of a day or a night, but it's a new day. Um, in relation to time. And this word is never used in Revelation. The word that's used in Revelation is called kainos. And the, the sense of kainos is that God has created something new that is better than was there before. That what it succeeds, it is better. And the new earth and the new heavens and the new Jerusalem are better than the old. Many people believe that and, and I think as we go through this, we'll see the similarities in tonight between Eden and the New Jerusalem and heaven. But what we know is that the new earth and the new Jerusalem aren't just going to be Eden over again. It's not like, well, God had plan A. It didn't work out, so we went to plan B, and now we're all there and we're going to start plan A over again. That's not what's going here. Is has always been plan A. And God's plan A is that he has a new earth for us that is better than the one that we're on and has ever been. So we have this picture of the new Jerusalem. Um, we start to see some of the things that happen to it. Let's, let's talk about that measurement. Um, it's measured by an angel. 
12,000 furlongs. 12,000 furlongs, when you convert it, is about 1,400 miles. It's 1,400 to 1,500 miles, depending upon who you ask. But it's 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles by 1,400 miles. To kind of get a sense of that, if you started in San Diego and you went east and you flew over Dallas and you go to this little city called Shreveport, Louisiana. I actually spent a month there one night many years ago. Um, it was kind of like, you know, what I told you about this when we started this. It was the same thing on a business trip that everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. That happened and I ended up in Shreveport, Louisiana. But it, at Shreveport, Louisiana, there's nothing wrong with Shreveport. It was just one of those things. Shreveport, you make a left and you go up to Winnipeg, Canada. You get there and you make a left and you go over to Vancouver, British Columbia. And you come back down to San Diego. That's the size of the New Jerusalem. In fact, it's a little bit bigger than that, slightly bigger than that. But then you start to think, well, wait, it's 1,400 miles by length and breadth, and, but it's also 1,400 miles high. Now, give some perspective there. Is this, we talked a little bit about the three heavens last week, the atmosphere, you know, and the, the heavens beyond the atmosphere, and then the, the presence of the Lord. Well, the atmosphere for Earth ends at 800 miles. Okay, so what we call outer space, when we think outer space, that's at 800 miles above the Earth. Well, the New Jerusalem goes 600 miles beyond that. Okay, so God must, in the new, cre- new heaven, new Earth, creates an atmosphere that goes beyond, but it's a pretty big place, right? And that's just the city of the New Jerusalem. That's not the New Earth. That's not everything that's the New Earth. That's just one city that's on the Earth. But it just happens to be the city that God's throne is in, that He has the river of life, the tree of life, and this is His city. Some view it as a cube. Um, Some view it as a pyramid or some just some aspect that there's something within the city that is 1,400 miles high. Uh, the, whole, the high mountain that we read about when we read through Revelation 20 there, that God's high mountain. Maybe that's at the center of the New Jerusalem. It's 1,400 miles tall. But it's a big place. And it's a place that we can freely enter and we don't have to worry about anything. There's nothing in the city that would cause us to fear. There's nothing in, in that city that uh, it's a city of nourishment. It's a city of warmth. Um, let's go. Just I've, I've used this illustration before when we've taught on this, but just kind of think if it's a cube or if it's some kind of like there's skyscrapers. You know, think you know New York City. This is the New Jerusalem that has skyscrapers, and one of those skyscrapers just happens to be around 1,400 miles high. Um, and you know, we decided, well, we're going to have the thousandth reunion of the Reverence Bible Church, you know, family there, and so we're going to meet at uh, at uh, Pastor Bill's penthouse in the uh, St. Paul of Tarsus building. the The St. Paul of Tarsus building, if it's about 1,400 miles high, has 600,000 stories. Okay, because typically a story is about 12 feet, so it's 600,000 stories. Uh, and so you get, to, you get to the St. Paul of Tarsus building and you go into the elevator and 
kind of turn around and you happen to notice the elevator operator, and that's me because <laughs> that's what I'm doing, running the elevator. But you say, I want to go to Pastor Bill's penthouse, and say, okay, well, which you know, which sleeping accommodations would you like? And it's what? Well, what are you talking about? Well, right now the fastest elevator on the planet Earth, which is in one of the the uh, buildings in Singapore, the highest building I think that currently exists in Singapore. There's one being built in Dubai, I think, but right now the completed one, if I'm wrong, if the other one hasn't been completed yet, but the fastest elevator climbs at 3,500 feet a minute. Okay? That's the fastest one. To get to Pastor Bill's penthouse, it would take you 35 hours of elevator time to get there. Okay? So, that's a little bit long, so God probably has something different than that, but Let's say somehow you, rather than coming into the elevator, you went to the airport and, well, you got a Concorde, which don't fly anymore around here, but uh, if they fly anywhere anymore on the earth. But if you got in the Concorde, it flies at 5,000 feet per minute. And to get to the Concorde, to get to Pastor Bill's penthouse, you'd take you 25 hours to get in the Concorde and fly up to his penthouse. Pretty, pretty tall building. Um, well, if you could go on the fastest thing we know about, really, in the sense of uh, human normal passenger travel, is the, the fastest military jet. It's an SR-71. The fastest military jet travels at 12,000 feet per minute in a climb. And in a climb, it still, even in that rate, would take you 10 hours to hit the top of that building. It's a big city. You understand? I mean, God doesn't, isn't doing anything small with this. It's huge. And when we think about how huge it is and we read about some of the aspects in a second as we go through that, it's absolutely amazing. Um, the, there's light in it that doesn't come from the sun, doesn't come from the moon. Notice one thing that as we read, just a, don't know how it is. It doesn't say there is no more sun and that there is no more moon. If you read what we it says, there's no need for a sun and there's no need for a moon. Um, it does say he makes a new heaven and a new earth, and presumably there's stars in the heaven or so on. But the point is that the glory of God illuminates the city, that it outshines anything, anything that a sun or a star would create, that the glory of the Lord illuminates it. The city is you know, we we have songs, we have things that the city that we have streets made, you know, made with gold. But we read that it's not just the streets that are made with gold, the entire city is made of gold. It's not just the asphalt, it's the drywall. You know, the, the, the gates are made of a single pearl, three gates on each side. One pearl makes up a gate. Um... Jasper stones, uh, amethyst, all these foundations made of stone. And then at the center of that, you're going to have the most brilliant light that we can even, it says we can't even imagine. We can't imagine the brilliance of the light that's going to come from the glory of God. God is light. And if you take all that, if you take a diamond and you go outside and you hold it up to the sun, I mean, you just see all this refraction of light and the, the glory. You're going to have an entire city this size that's nothing but, but precious stones and gold and just reflection of the water of life. It's just going to be a brilliance of light. 
that um, is unimaginable. No need for a sun, no need for a moon. Um, some say um, that, well, one, we, have, we really don't have a clue of what it was like before the fall, and we really don't. I don't. Some say that, but we all say that. We really don't have a clue what it's like before the fall. But when we talk about the first Adam, we really don't know what he was like. You know, we see the fallen Adam. We see what we are now, and we try to go back and say, well, Adam's like this or Adam's like this. We don't. But what's interesting, if you think about the fall, is once Adam and Eve fell, they realized they were naked. Well, is that just a, they, didn't, you know, they didn't know it because they didn't understand what nakedness was? That's a possibility. The some believe that there was so much light related to the body of, of Adam that they didn't know that they were naked. They didn't know because they could, the brilliance from what God had made for them showed so much light because everything God seems to create when we see the new heavens and the new earth illuminates with light. There's so much light related to it. We don't know. That's one of those surmises. Next week and the week after, we're going to talk about what we're going to look like, maybe, or what we might be like. Um, and so we can, we can talk a little bit about that. Um, the New Jerusalem. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is there. We have a passport. It's a heavenly passport. Okay? The stamp on it is earth right now. That's where we're at. You know, we've, we've got an earthly visa. We're here. Why are we here? As members, as believers, we're here, Paul says, because we're ambassadors for Christ. We're here to be the... Preachers, we talked in the in uh, Kevin talked a couple weeks ago about the the uh, beautiful feet that preached the gospel. We're here to be preachers. We're here to be um, his ambassadors. As citizens, there's something that's also kind of unique. Um, if you that the city was called the bride of the Lamb. And obviously, that's it's the city. I mean, if you take that, is the, the city is named after us. We're the bride of Christ. He prepared the place for us. He's prepared the place for us, and he's named it also for us. And the New Jerusalem has a nickname, and it's the bride of Christ. It's adorned for Christ. It's adorned for us. It shines. It reflects Him. It reflects God wherever you go. There's a city that proceeds from the throne. I mean, a river that proceeds from the throne that is the water that sustains the city. There's no sea. It said, in, and not only is there no sea in the New Jerusalem, we talked a little bit last week, but there's no sea in the New Earth. Um, it's prophesied in Ezekiel. It says in Ezekiel 47:12, it's this: along the bank of the river, and on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Okay, so first question for next week, is there food? Yes, there's food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. We'll talk about the medicine aspect. But it's prophesied that the water coming from the very throne of God. Jesus says he's the living water. This is the 
the fulfillment of that in the sense of our, our future. The living water flows from the throne. He's the bread of life. We have trees of life um, on each side of the river that flow that, uh, through the city. Some believe that it's a river with many tributaries that just flow through the entire city and throughout the entire city, the city, what isn't a building is just one massive park of fruit trees and water that proceed from the throne. Now, William Hendrickson, who, uh, a commentator, uh, said this, the term tree of life is collective, just like avenue or river. The idea is not there is just one single tree. No, there is an entire park, whole rows of trees alongside the river. Hence, the river and the avenue, and this is true with respect to all the avenues of the city. Hence, the city is full of parks. Observe, therefore, this wonderful truth. The city is full of rivers of life. It's also full of parks containing trees of life. These trees, moreover, are full of fruit. And then we have the, the, the places, the dwelling places for us. So this picture of, of water, of, of parks, of dwelling places, a beautiful aspect of sitting in, in the city of God and what he has for us there. Notice also an aspect, a passage of time. So is there time in the in the New Jerusalem? Well, there's a new fruit every month, so there's got to be some aspect of time that goes on there that uh, we may not understand it in the terms of our context. But there's some passage of events that every month there's a new fruit for us to go through and to dwell upon our daily life. Habakkuk two fourteen tells us that the new heavens and the new earth are filled with the knowledge of God. And Luke 19 also tells us that there's other cities on the, on the heaven. And so we see this aspect. This is, I, I tried to, at this point, limit it to what the Bible tells us. Because from here, as with anything related to you know, or the Christian faith, we depart and we start to go along different ways of what does this mean. Where does, the, where does the New Jerusalem sit? Does it sit on the earth? Does it sit above the earth? When is it going to come? All of these aspects that people disagree about and, and um, that's the, where things kind of go, can go south, if you will. But um, we want to talk about, and have talked about what the, what the word says. Um, let's give a, a a little bit of comparison with Eden, okay? Because there's some really neat kind of aspects of this. Um, Jesus created even. Jesus is the creator. Colossians 1 tells us he's the creator. Jesus created Eden. And then Jesus creates the new Jerusalem. He goes and he prepares a place for us. Jesus is the creator of both Eden. He's the creator of the new Jerusalem. God created light. In the throne of, from the throne of God, all light in the New Jerusalem proceeds. Proceeds from, from the Lamb Himself. In um, Genesis 1, we're told God created the sea. The heavens and the earth and the Holy Spirit brooded over the seas. And then in Genesis 6-8, through 8, God used the sea to judge mankind for its sin. 
And interestingly enough, in the New Jerusalem, there is no sea. And so um, the water comes from the throne, comes from the throne of God, the river of life. God created the sun. He created the moon from the New Eden. God is the light of the New Jerusalem. He's the... uh, There's no need for a moon. There's no need for a sun. God placed the first Adam to rule over the earth, right? And Satan tempted him, and man, the first Adam, gave up his authority over the earth. God places the second Adam to rule over the new earth for all eternity, and he defeated Satan. God created a sinless world, And man brought sin into it. And then God removed the sin from the world and created a new one that has no potential for sin ever again. God created a bride for the first Adam. God is preparing a bride for the second Adam, Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. In Eden, man walked in fellowship with God. In the New Jerusalem, man walks in intimate fellowship with God. A river watered Eden. A river nourishes all of the New Jerusalem straight from the throne. God set a guard, angels, to guard over the tree of life on the the earth in Eden because man had sinned. And if man had sinned and fallen... And under the curse, and now we're to eat of the tree of life and live forever in that condition, what would he be? We'd be lost forever. So God put a guard over it, put angels over it. But in the New Jerusalem, the tree of life is abundant. It's freely available. You can come to it whenever you desire. It's there for you. Now, remember last week we talked about that dimensionality kind of... Um, thing we talked about, you know, the intermediate heaven. Um, It's not 14.5 billion light years out there plus one more mile um, just beyond it. It's probably another dimension uh, as we saw with uh, Elisha and his servant that Elisha prayed open his eyes when they were in the battle with the Assyrians and he prayed open open his eyes and God opened his eyes and he saw the angelic warriors that were there to protect the people. And there was a different realm. There's a spiritual realm that opens up. What's interesting is that um, Paul says, and I forget, somewhere in Corinthians, and I forget where exactly, but it, uh, it says that the river, that tree of life, still exists in the intermediate heaven. And so there's a when we talked about the dimensionality of it is God didn't remove the tree of life from earth. It's hidden. There's a guard of angels around it and it's going to be opened up again somehow, whatever. But Paul says it's still there. It's in the, it's in the uh, paradise. And uh, don't understand it, but it's just another one of those clues that we talked about last week four or five different clues of Stephen looking up into the sky as he's about to be martyred. The heavens are opened up and he sees Jesus. Um, 
those different aspects of, of heaven. Where is it? The words in heaven tell us something about what's going on. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, the Lamb that was slain, who is worthy, glory to God, bride, redeemed, praise you, thank you. And here's an interesting one. In fact, I turn to it. Turn to Zechariah, which is towards the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah 3. Zechariah prophesying of the future. Talking about the the Son. Verse 10, he says, In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. That's a view of fellowship in heaven. That everyone will invite their neighbor to sit down and sup with them, to eat with them under the fig tree. I mean, the, the, the allusions there are to food, the vine, for drink, the fig tree for eating. It's a, it's a view of come on over and have dinner. You know, come sup with me. Let's sit down and, and praise God together. Other words in heaven, your name and my name, and God's name. We saw God has a new name, and that He's giving each one of us a new name. Those are the words that are going to be in heaven. And Jesus' name for all eternity, where we'll be praising Him and worshiping Him. Um, The words that are used of heaven in describing it as we, we see light over and over and over again. And another word that's used over and over again about the New Jerusalem is loud. The worship is loud. When we get our new bodies, there are going to be new ears attached to that body. Because remember those 6.25 quadrillion angels singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. It's going to be loud. And the biggest question about the New Jerusalem that that people um, talk about in the sense of uh, the Scripture doesn't really tell us is when does it come down and where does it reside, and as we talked about. And so um, I'm just going to briefly mention it because uh, just to avoid the questions that, uh, that we might have. Um, it just depends upon your perspective of, of kind of the end time um, aspect. Um, There are verses that talk about the future that have contradictory images from what we just read. For example, um, in in many of them in Isaiah, it talks about um, that the river that comes from the throne, I think Isaiah 60, I think. The the river that comes from the throne will go so far and then it will split to the west and it will split to the east and it will split to the 
east to go to the sea to the east, and it'll split to the west to go to the sea to the west. Um, talked last, uh, Isaiah talked about in that future day, the world will pay tribute to King Jesus by bringing over the seas their tribute to him from the, from the nations of the world. Well, we read tonight, Revelation 20, there are no seas in the new heaven and the new earth. And so how do those, how do those relate? Um, how does it, um, how, what's the leaves for, for medicine if we're not ever going to get sick again? Um, those kinds of, of uh, imagery. Um, Isaiah also talks about an infant, quote, an infant dying at 120 years of age. Um, and that's a future prophecy. And so there's an aspect, and you, you have to deal with these, these there, and there's a number of them. They're uh, quite, uh, you know, when we talk about the concept of, of when the New Jerusalem comes, of um, Revelation 20, the chapter just before we start, talked about Jesus reigning on the earth for a thousand years. Um, I believe that to be literal. That's my conviction, that it's a literal reign. And that's why how these things for me get resolved. Because Jesus on earth, the nations of the earth are bringing him tribute. And that earth has yet to be renovated. Remember we talked about the earth being renovated and the earth being, you know, or, and being redeemed. That is redeemed as Jesus is ruling on it. But if there are people living in the millennium, there will be the, tree, the leaves of the tree of life for medicine to them. If uh, there are people living in the millennium that are uh, where, where the earth has been redeemed but not renovated, uh, someone dies at 120 years old, they're an infant. Um, and so there's an aspect that, that there's a, a, a rule on the earth for a period of time. Some believe the New Jerusalem hovers over the earth at that point in time. Um, and then when, at the end of the thousand years, it's, it comes to the earth. There's all different kinds of things, some of how they try to uh, resolve these issues. That's where we go from what the Bible concretely says to the illusions of it. And we just we pray to God for for uh, for wisdom on it. But what we do know in any of it is that Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is the center of worship. The entire, whether it be spiritual, whether it be literal, the entire world is worshiping Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. And whatever happens there, he's the center. We started last time. We went from the back state of the temple and we went forward, the focus being towards Jesus Christ at the center. The entire focus of the New Jerusalem is at the throne, Jesus at the center. Everything's about Him. And uh, we are His bride, and that is a uh, grace that uh, He's given us to be able to be called His bride because when we read some of those uh, descriptions of the people who are not going to be there, about liars and the immoral 
And, uh, well, many of us can look at our lives and say, you know, that kind of fits how I was. And it's only through the grace of God that that's no longer us, that He's transformed us from being those people who will be outside to those who will be His bride and be with Him. And that's why we're going to hear words like, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is, thank you, praise you. We don't deserve it. I am not worthy. Those are the words that we will be saying as we give Him worship, give Him glory. He has a place for us. It's in the King's Court. We're in the Palace Court. We get to feast with Him at the King's table. Whatever that food will be. And... um, for that, we want to give Him glory. For that, as we end tonight, just thanking Him for putting us, causing us to have our eyes open to see Him, um, to think that He would call us His bride. is just absolutely wonderful. And um, we get to enjoy the New Jerusalem for all eternity with Him. So let's, let's stop and pray and, and give Him thanks for that. And um, Paul says he was caught up into paradise and he heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. And so our joy should be inexpressible as we look forward and look to the future and see what we have in store for us. So Lord, we, we come to You and we thank You and praise You Lord, the the description of what you've prepared for us is uh, beyond our uh, imagination because not that we can't imagine great things, but for me to imagine that we could be there with you knowing what we were. Lord, but thank you that you've changed us, that you've regenerated us, that you caused us to see you And You are so beautiful and You are so wonderful that we could do nothing but put our trust and our faith in You. And we thank You for that. And we love You. And we come to You based upon the work of our Savior on the cross, knowing that uh, we can do nothing. Give You all honor and glory. Amen.